Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be going through sickle cell anemia. And if you want to follow along with written notes on this topic, you can follow along at zerodefinals.com or in the hematology section of the Zero to Finals medicine book. But let's get straight into it. Sickle cell anemia is a genetic condition that causes sickle-shaped red blood cells. And a sickle shape is a sort of crescent shape or a moon shape. And this makes the red blood cells more fragile and more easily destroyed, which leads to a hemolytic anemia. Patients with sickle cell anemia are prone to various types of sickle cell crisis that we're going to talk about later. So what's the pathophysiology? Well, hemoglobin is the protein in red blood cells that transports oxygen. Fetal hemoglobin, or HBF, is usually replaced by hemoglobin A, or HBA, at around six weeks of age. And patients with sickle cell disease have an abnormal variant called hemoglobin S or HBS and HBS causes red blood cells to be an abnormal sickle shaped. It's an autosomal recessive condition where there is an abnormal gene for beta globin on the chromosome 11 and one copy of the gene leads to something called sickle cell trait and patients with sickle cell trait are usually asymptomatic and they're just carriers of the abnormal gene. Two abnormal copies are required for full sickle cell disease. Briefly, let's talk about the relation to malaria. And sickle cell disease is more common in patients from areas traditionally affected by malaria, such as Africa, India, the Middle East and the Caribbean. And having one copy of the gene, having sickle cell trait, reduces the severity of malaria. As a result, patients with sickle cell trait are more likely to survive malaria and pass on the genes. Therefore, there's actually a selective advantage to having the sickle cell gene in certain areas where there is malaria present. And people who have an abnormal copy of the gene are more likely to pass those genes onto their offspring. How do we diagnose the condition? Well, pregnant women that are at risk of being carriers of the sickle cell gene are offered testing during pregnancy at the booking clinic where they register their pregnancy with a midwife and get all their baseline checks done. Sickle cell disease is also tested for on the newborn screening heel prick test at five days of age. So we usually pick up the condition very early on in life and it's quite rare in somebody born in the UK to find out they have sickle cell disease later in life. What are the general complications of the condition? Chronic anemia due to the chronic hemolysis of the fragile red blood cells. There's an increased risk of infection. There's importantly an increased risk of stroke, which is a common exam question where a patient has a stroke at a young age and the key diagnosis that's underlining it is a sickle cell anemia. They can develop avascular necrosis of large joints, such as in the hip, pulmonary hypertension, They can develop a condition called priapism, which is painful and persistent penile erections, chronic kidney disease, sickle cell crisis, which we'll talk about in more detail later, and something called acute chest syndrome, which we'll also go through later. What's the general management of patients who have sickle cell disease? 
Well, firstly, it's important to avoid triggers of crises. And one key way of avoiding them is to avoid becoming dehydrated and stay well hydrated. Ensure that all the vaccines are up to date to minimise their chance of serious infections. Patients can take antibiotic prophylaxis to protect against infections, and this is usually with penicillin V or phenoxymethyl penicillin. A medication called hydroxycarbamide can be used to stimulate the production of fetal haemoglobin or HBF. And fetal haemoglobin, remember, is the haemoglobin that you have as a fetus and the first roughly six weeks of life before you transfer to the normal adult haemoglobin. And fetal haemoglobin doesn't tend to lead to sickling of the red blood cells. So taking hydroxycarbamide to stimulate the production of fetal haemoglobin can have a protective effect against sickle cell crises and acute chest syndrome. Blood transfusions can be used for severe anemia and a bone marrow transplant can be curative of the condition because you replace the stem cells in the bone marrow leading to normal production of haemoglobin without the genetic defect. So let's talk about sickle cell crisis. Sickle cell crisis is an umbrella term for a spectrum of acute crises that are related to the condition. These range from mild to completely life-threatening and they can occur spontaneously or they can be triggered by stresses such as infection, dehydration, cold or significant life events. There's no specific treatment for sickle cell crisis and they usually manage supportively and supportive management involves having a low threshold for admission to hospital, treating any infection that might be present, keeping the patient warm, keeping them well hydrated, potentially with IV fluids, simple analgesia such as paracetamol and ibuprofen, although it's worth noting that non-steroidal anti-inflammatories like ibuprofen should be avoided where there's any renal impairment, and where patients develop priapism or their painful persistent erections, penile aspiration is the treatment of choice. So there's a few different types of crisis which we'll go through individually. The first is vaso-occlusive crisis, which is also known as painful crisis. And vaso-occlusive crisis is caused by the sickle-shaped red blood cells clogging capillaries and causing distal ischemia. This is mainly associated with dehydration and it's also associated with a raised hematocrit or the proportion of red blood cells to the rest of the blood volume. The symptoms are typically pain, fever and the symptoms that are associated with the triggering infection. It can cause priapism in men by trapping blood in the penis and causing a painful and persistent erection. And remember this is a urological emergency and needs to be treated with aspiration of blood. The next crisis to talk about is splenic sequestration crisis and this is where red blood cells block blood flow within the spleen and this causes an acutely enlarged and painful spleen. The pooling of blood in the spleen can lead to severe anemia and circulatory collapse so basically they become hypovolemic because all the blood is in the spleen and there's no blood left in the rest of the circulation so they develop shock. Splenic sequestration crisis is considered an emergency and management is supportive with blood transfusions and fluid resuscitation to treat the anemia and the shock. Splenectomy can prevent sequestration crisis 
because if you remove the spleen, then it's not possible for blood to block flow within the spleen. And this is often the treatment of choice in recurrent crises to prevent further ones. Recurrent crises can lead to splenic infarction and therefore susceptibility to infections because the spleen isn't carrying out its normal job. Another crisis to talk about is something called aplastic crisis. An aplastic crisis describes a situation where there's a temporary loss of the creation of new red blood cells. And this is most commonly triggered by an infection with a particular virus called parvovirus B19. And this is something worth remembering for your exams. If you have a patient with sickle cell anemia and they come in contact with parvovirus B19, think about aplastic crisis. This leads to a significant anemia particularly an aplastic anemia where there's no new red blood cells being created. Management is supportive with blood transfusions if necessary and it usually resolves spontaneously within about a week. The final type of crisis that we need to talk about is acute chest syndrome. And a diagnosis of acute chest syndrome requires a fever or respiratory symptoms along with new infiltrations on a chest x-ray. Acute chest syndrome may be due to infection such as pneumonia or bronchiolitis or it could be due to a non-infective cause, for example pulmonary vasoocclusion or a fat emboli. It's a medical emergency and it has quite a high mortality and it requires prompt supportive management and treatment of the underlying cause. So you may need antibiotics or antivirals to treat the infection, blood transfusions to treat the anemia, You can use something called incentive spirometry, which is a machine that encourages them to blow and encourages effective and deep breathing. And if necessary, they may require artificial ventilation with non-invasive ventilation or intubation. So thanks for listening to this episode on sickle cell anemia. If you found it helpful and you want written notes on this topic and all the other podcast episode topics, head over to Amazon and pick up a copy of the Zero to Finals Medicine book. It's designed to contain all the key facts and guidelines you need for your medical exams without the waffle or overloading you with too much information. If you don't fancy picking up a copy of the book, don't worry, you can find all the notes as well as videos, illustrations and questions completely free on the Zero to Finals website at zerotofinals.com and I hope you tune in for the next episode which will be on leukemia.